Before we start, we simply want to say thank you. Thank you to all the veterans who fought for our freedoms. Without you, none of us would be doing what we're doing. So thank you, God bless you, and we dedicate this episode to you. Veterans Day is a day of recognition, celebration, but also lots of emotion. According to the most recent statistics, there are over 17 million vets in the United States. Every one of them with very different experiences, but all are connected by a single bond, fighting for our country. And unless you've been in their shoes, you might not understand how difficult it is for them to return to civilian life. Some struggle to find work and readapt to the everyday routine. But there are people doing their best to help. And our guest today is a West Virginia native, Natalie Oliverio, a veteran herself, who's mentoring and getting vets into the workforce through her company, Military Talent Partners. Natalie has an incredible story. She signed up to be a journalist in the Navy when she was 19, and her second day on the job was 9-11. And when she returned to West Virginia four years later, she felt isolated. But that's why she's dedicating her life now to make sure other vets don't go through that same experience. So we dive into her story, the work her company's doing, and Natalie shares advice that everyone needs to hear. So this episode is an uplifting one, it's a motivating one, but it's also a very sobering interview with Natalie on the reality of what it means to be a veteran in America. So let's get to it, Mace, hit the music. does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. All right, boom, we're rolling. We've learned to be a little bit uh, more welcoming with our, our calls. Not as formal. Natalie, what, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Uh, how's your Monday gotten off to? It has gotten off to a crazy busy start, and um, I would have it no other way for Veterans Day week. It is. It is Veterans Day week, which is when we've been a little behind the scenes for our listeners. We've been kind of back and forth a little bit for a while talking about a future episode, and, you know, we're connected personally. I see the the crazy amount of valuable stuff that you put out for free on LinkedIn for the work that you do with veterans. Um, so we 100%, CJ and I were actually talking today, we both have had family members in the service. You know, I've got like great uncles that were lost in World War II. So it's, we couldn't think of a more appropriate guest for this week than yourself because of the work you're doing. Talk to us about how because you're you, yourself, you are a service member. How did that all start? And maybe, maybe like back it up, where are you from in West Virginia? And then how did you end up in the service? And then we'll kind of get to, because you are the CEO of Military Talent Partners. So we'll get to that, but maybe bring us back to uh, where it all started. Sure, absolutely. I am a Clarksburg, West Virginia native. And, you know, I had a really traditional, um, strict, West Virginia upbringing from two really hardworking parents who I'm the oldest of three and uh, I, I didn't have a lot of chances to really mess up. Uh, I, I walked a very straight line and then 
after I graduated high school, I went straight to WVU, uh, very unprepared, really. And for the first time in my life, I was away from my parents and I, I definitely did not take the right road. I, I barely went to class. I had a lot of fun and I did all the wrong things right. <laughs> and, um, unfortunately for me, that really changed my path. Um, you know, my parents were really disappointed in me and I really didn't have a future plan at that point. And so I thought, what can I do to change my life and really stun my parents into just silence, kind of get them off my back, right? Well, it just so happened that recruiters were calling for my younger brother to get him to go to the Naval Academy or West Point. And this happened to say, well, what are you doing? I'm like, um, I was going to college, but now I'm not. And they're like, oh, did you know you don't have to go to college to be a journalist? Come be a journalist in the Navy. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Tell me more. Long story short, I went off to boot camp. No one really believed that I was going to do it until like the recruiter shows up at the door to take me to the to the um, to maps to depart to boot camp and. Um, it was definitely worse than I expected and probably one of the most personally challenging things I've ever done, but it completely changed me as a human being. And I really regretted all those classes that I had skipped while I was doing um, hours of sweaty push-ups. Um, yeah, it, to be a journalist. Yeah, there's <laughs> Quote, definitely a different road I could have taken. So I went into the military at a really interesting time. I had checked on board my ship in August, 2001. My very first day out to sea was September 10th, 2001. So you have 19 year old Natalie waking up on her first day underway and it's 9-11. And wow. everything just, obviously everything completely changed for everyone. But for example, in the Navy at that time, we had 10 duty sections. So that meant once every 10 days, you had duty for 24 hours. Immediately it collapsed to three days. So every three days you had, that's how much, how much they wow. more than tripled up. Changed. Yeah. Right. There's their security. So, uh, and that stayed for the remaining uh, remainder of my tour there. And um it was definitely different and i learned more and had more challenging experience than i ever could have imagined and when i got out of the military i went straight back to wvu and i showed up and i said here i am i'm ready to get my journalism degree um professor reed just like laughed me out of the school he's like you have no business here you've already been a journalist i've got <laughs> nothing to really teach you and i'm like no no no, no. i need my degree and uh, long story short, he's like, you need to pick something else. And I did. I picked HR and recruiting. Wow. wow. Okay. Okay. So That's I'm starting, I'm starting to connect the dots now. So you, when you, and how long were you, so you were on a ship, you wake up and then you're like, it was something like you're in the military and then something like 9-11 happens. You're like, oh my gosh, like now this is like real. Like how long of that, was that like a year, two years, three years, five years? How long was that period in the military? A period of it being like, oh my God, this is insane. Well, just in service completely. Yeah. I did a four-year tour. Um, mm -hmm. I had met my husband while serving, who's also a Clarksburg native, and just wanted to get out and get to the rest of my career, finish college. And um, the military gave me that gift of not mm -hmm. only changing my mindset and my trajectory, but also allowing me to go to school for free. Yeah. And so I would say... 
a good two years were just very, very intense all the way through probably late 2003. Mm -hmm. um, but it definitely changes the way that you are thinking about the rest of your life. But what it doesn't do is prepare you how to transition into it. You know what you want, what you don't want. But when you're in the military lifestyle, there's nothing that really shapes you for what's next, unless you physically go out and pursue it on your own. But it takes you back to the simple thing of not knowing what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And so you become a wartime journalist. What, what, how does that even work? What, what is it that you cover? What do you do? Because everybody knows what they see on television, but take us behind the scenes. What, is it that your day-to-day -day was? I mean, was it terrifying? Was it scary? I mean, you got to know these guys, everybody on an emotional level, but your goal was a little different than their goal. Yeah, it, it was scary. It was, I mean, I don't know any the, anyone that really wasn't scared um, to some degree, but you got to tell the story no matter what. And so there's all different types and, and now they're not even called journalists. They're called mass communication specialists. Yeah. Um, different role. <laughs> so it's been a while, but telling the story. So I was lucky enough to be able to tell the story of what was happening to some extent on our ship and within our battle group with the people at home, with our family members, being able to relay back, you know, this is what's happening. This is where we are in the world sharing some really meaningful content with them in a time where, you know, our email was sketchy. I mean, Facebook wasn't even existed yet. And Facebook wasn't even invented yet. Um, so being able to have that touch back was so important. Well, especially after 9-11, I mean, it was, everybody probably just wanted to stay connected as much as possible, right? It, all of a sudden you were telling stories that people yeah. desperately wanted to hear and probably needed to hear to kind of understand what, America post 9-11 was like, I mean, not even years, days after 9-11 right. was like. Yeah, we went out, um, so on that deployment, when I work up for our deployment, uh, we went out right off the coast of the Atlantic on September 10th, and then immediately got sent to Yorktown, Virginia, where you, it's like the Naval Weapons Station. Mm -hmm. So we were onboarding Tomahawk missiles, getting ready to go off the, co the coast of New York City. There was one payphone on that pier and the entire 350 person ship was like lined up waiting to use the phone. That's the only communication that we would have had to tell anybody that we were okay, that we were, you know, what we were doing. And I think it was like two minutes, everybody got two minutes on that phone to make sure everybody got a chance while we were in port kind of onboarding those weapons. So um, yeah. I, I was a newbie, I was like at the end of the line and I just remember being just overwhelmed and scared. Do you remember any of the stories that you told, do you, do any of them still kind of stick with you today? Any specifics or is it just a, a moment of life where you just won't forget any of it? You know, I think it's a visual of, you know, um, passing down through the mess decks, which is where the only televisions are, um, on board a ship and, and hearing the captain come over the, the loudspeaker and then like everybody kind of rushing to the mess decks to watch the TV and seeing the second plane hit, um, it's just something that will just never really um, leave you. And so it's amazing to me that there's, there's a whole new younger generation that really has no emotional attachment to 9-11 when you're someone who um, was actively kind of participating in that day. And, right. you know, that tells me that we're not telling enough 
of our recent history and the things that have happened and all the lives that were lost and um, the subsequent war that's still being fought. Um, we're not telling that story enough and we can do better. Yeah. Yeah. It is crazy because that's something that we lived, right? Cooper and I, we were in school, but then it's like, right after that, it was like, it is all history books for a lot of yeah. people. It's a weird, it's a weird mix of us because we, yeah, it's like we, not to like, like uh, our age, but I think we were in like, what were we, like kindergarten, CJ? I was like, uh, and I'm 26 years old. So I would be, I think I was like six years old, I guess, right? 2001. Um, pre you know preschool first grade and so it's a weird combination for us of being like a history book lesson that we then learned about in like high school but also we're like did experience it and then like you said social media didn't even exist yet so like we all we kind of learned about it through the lens of like of folks like yourself i imagine like yeah. recounting of the stories yep. um so do you find that a lot of service members i mean typically when you meet it when you work with military families do they like i mean they like talking about it is that an overgeneralization to say that people don't like talking about their experience or is it do you find that it, it is like if you meet someone or you're for, for like if a veteran's applying somewhere or trying to find employment is it better to just come out and just like kind of reveal your not reveal everything you feel about it but just kind of make it known about where you're at with it and how you've maybe mentally processed it you mean as a veteran or someone talking to a veteran? Maybe both. Maybe just both. Like if, if you're like if you're a veteran listening to, do you find that a lot of veterans maybe when they because then when they trans transition over to the corporate world, do do a lot of folks maybe struggle with how to to maybe like leverage and speak about those things that they've learned in their service into maybe like the civilian world? Oh, absolutely. And I would say that for anyone talking to a veteran, either in an employment situation or outside of an employment situation, it's really not okay to ask too much about what they've been through and what they've right. done. It's kind of the equivalent of someone saying, so did you kill anybody? You know, that's such an insensitive right. question that so many people ask. And, you know, there have been a lot of movies out there um, that depict something that is traumatic and to be the real people behind that situation you just don't know what that feels like and also you know a lot of dis disabilities are not visible so you don't know people who are struggling with anxiety or depression or ptsd um and struggle privately and quietly so it's just never really okay to ask you know so what'd you do and where'd you go and did you kill anybody and you know what what happened and when a veteran is comfortable to tell their, their story they'll tell you and you know a lot of veterans choose not to even put that they are a veteran or include their service on their resume for fear of being asked about it uh, so it's definitely a sensitive topic that our culture really has not acclimated to quite yet Hey guys, Cooper here for an interruption, but look, I'm not going to shamelessly plug the podcast and ask you to subscribe, although that would be very, very nice of you. But what I am going to do is I'm going to say, hey, if you want to donate to a veteran organization, the Mountaineer Media Podcast is going to match that up to $25. We're going to run that through Natalie and hopefully help some veterans. So reach out to us and we're going to make that happen. Other than that, let's get right back to the episode. Veteran, that's that term has been around for as long as our country's been around. I mean, it's it's something that's a, how is it even such an uncomfortable topic to talk about? You shouldn't not leave it on a resume or, or anything, you know, to say that you're a veteran because that shouldn't be anything anybody 
is afraid to to note. But like you said, it it's out of fear of not wanting to talk about it and not wanting to answer questions like some of those those I mean dumb questions that people might ask. Yeah, it's just uh, or too insensitive. Yeah, insensitive questions. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so kind of getting back to you, this was, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the things that we're talking about were some of the things that you felt you went back to WVU and you know, then you kind of tried to fit back in. Right. But was that difficult? It was so difficult. I was 25 years old sitting in English 101 with 18 year old students who had just graduated high school and um, it's still pretty close to nine 11 where people were still like, did you kill anybody? And uh, I'm only laughing because it makes me uncomfortable. But um, I, I, I remember feeling so hopeful to come back to West Virginia and excited. And then when I got here and got into the classroom and uh, was walking around campus, I had never felt more of a stranger, like in my own backyard. And um, it was honestly emotional to talk about. And I think about that and I think about how hard I wanted to just start over and become this new person as a veteran, not a service member anymore. And that it was almost like it made you feel like your military experience didn't really count because all your friends had already moved on and got professional jobs. Some of them are in management already. And here you are freshman in college. So it makes you feel like you've been held back and that you're being kind of punished, so to speak, uh, because nobody understands you or knows what to do with you. And it's on you to figure it all out. And this is especially um, more difficult for higher ranking officers and enlisted, um, non-commissioned officers, NCOs, you know, people who've been in the military for 20 plus years. It's even worse. It's even more difficult. I know how I felt after just four years and really young. Um, it's, it's a challenge. You have to carve out a new identity for yourself wow. and everything in your future really depends on it. So where did you find comfort? You're 25 back in Morgan. Know the story from there. I mean, we don't really know the story. We, we know where you are now. <laughs> Yeah, helping helping veterans all over the place, but fill in that gap. Where did you find comfort, yeah. and how did that take you to your next step of of helping others? You know, um, I, I went through like a lot of depression and shame, and ended up actually leaving campus and became a non traditional distance learning based student um, or distance learning student because I I felt more comfortable with my teachers behind a screen than sitting next to people who are just going to look at me funny and be like, why are you so much older than me in this class? Because it wasn't like, um, you know, a 40 something or a parent coming back to finish a degree from long ago. It was still like, you look kind of young, but you're super different than us. And it was just, it was, it was very awkward. So I started working and going to school um, distance based and graduated and did what everybody said I should do and work for the federal government. Because if you work for the federal government around here, you're set for life and you're quote unquote right. successful. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't, was not for me. And so I quickly found my love of recruiting and really, really got good at it because I love helping to elevate talent in people, helping people to realize their potential is so joyful for me and it, at whatever company i was working for you know veteran and military spouse hiring was never a big initiative um even working to make it initiative you know companies 
have their own agenda, their own priorities, and I'm just one employee, right? So I knew that if I really wanted to make an impact in this space and support people who are going through what I went through when they transitioned and helping people to find that identity, carve out that niche and be successful, I was probably going to have to do it on my own. But I did not have the confidence. I did not have an MBA. I didn't know how to sell. And who would want to work with me? I'm a nobody, right? So I got a mentor. Uh, at this time, I had been volunteering as a mentor for three years already, kind of going behind the scenes with veterans and spouses, not just um, as a veteran, but also a recruiter, helping them with their resumes and their interview skills, helping them get hired. And I, I just fell in love with it. So I wanted to create a company where we could pair the power of mentorship with full life, life cycle recruiting. So we're very, uh, we're for profit for a purpose. So the services mm -hmm. that we provide in, in recruiting and talent acquisition consulting for companies are for profit. And we take that profit and we keep all of our services for veterans and military spouses and wow. goals for our families free. So we wow. have mentorship and coaching. We have an online career transition cohort, which will take anybody, civilian or otherwise, veteran, military spouse, going through any career transition. Say you were an operations manager and now you want to be an accountant. Or maybe you were um, a nurse and you want to go be a business analyst and, and work for NASA. Anything that you're doing, I would say, I would argue that no example is more extreme than military to civilian, but whatever tr transition you're making in your career, this course can absolutely help you. And it starts from beginning to the end with finding your why and figuring out who you are and then branding and resumes and LinkedIn and networking all the way to offer nego to negotiation. And so we're wow. really proud of keeping these things free and making them super impactful for our, for our community. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and that, so that's, so you are the founder and CEO for folks listening of military talent partners. And that was, and you're, this is the third year, if I'm not mistaken. We will be three, uh, July 1st, 2021. So we're like two and a half now. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we've got 12 talent partners that sit across the country. We're headquartered right here in West Virginia because that's where, of course, I'm from. Mm -hmm. And just right over the two-year mark, we had hired 500 veterans and spouses. And we've mentored over 3,000. And that is wow. such an, an amazing and, and um prideful metric that we have that it just tells us that we're doing the right thing right and that we are where we're supposed to be yeah that's that's amazing for you too to reflect because you've gone from student to veteran to come back and not feel comfortable in, in in a school setting to then go into the corporate world to then launch your own business and like i'm sure that's such a full circle moment for you to be like i was you you know, X number of years ago, and then now here are the, the toolkits and the, the resources and things that I've learned, and then now you're empowering and helping hundreds and soon to be thousands and thousands of veterans. That's like such, that's got to be such a rewarding thing for you um, to be that person and then help directly with that community. It, it, it more than words, it is, it absolutely is. And, you know, I don't have this all-star past, right? I, I essentially failed out of college. I went into the military in a tumultuous just time in our world. And then, um, you know, I came out, I had a hard time acclimating and I actually tried to go back in, but I didn't want to be a reservist. I wanted to like fully go back in because I just felt like, okay, I'm not, something's not right. Like this is not, I don't know who I am anymore. It was just weird. 
Um, but also I went through like several other transitions. I went from, um, you know, being fired after I had my daughter uh, with no notice. And then I went through my entire team being let go. And then, so I learned how to get myself hired using social media. And so all of these different things, um, leading me back to that original military transition, having to, to pivot and find different ways to get through it, made me more powerful and more talented as a mentor. And it gave me more to use in my tool belt in order to help other people. And that at the end of the day is what has always gotten me through it. And it, and it kind of goes back to that, you gotta rebrand yourself. You have to find yourself again. Is that kind of the message that you preach? We're here to help you reconfigure your, your lifestyle. It's hard, it's difficult but it is very possible and you deserve to have, you know, this opportunity to go out and be an all-star in your community. Is that kind of what you tell these guys and how you kind of get them to, to, to buy into how you teach them and, and some of the other mentors that you guys have? Yeah, absolutely. It's once you leave the military, you are now a veteran, not a service member. So what you've done for the past 10, 20, 30, however many years is in the past. And what you're going to do next is completely unknown. And you can do whatever you want. Most people think they have to do what they did in the military, um, but they don't. You can do whatever you want. You can go to school, you can get another degree. You can, there's um, internship opportunities while you're still on active duty. There's fellowships available. There's so many resources to help you carve out your next identity of who you will become and what you wanna do with the next call it a second career um for your future and what kind of impact you want to make wow right and a saying that comes to mind maybe it's like a navy saying it's certainly it would be applicable it's like smooth seas don't make for great sailors right like it's right. it through adversity is, is where you're gonna have you're gonna i think everyone has to like constantly i think in life whether you're a veteran or not a veteran like we have to reinvent ourselves multiple times like it's not there's not the path to success is not like this right it, it's up and down it's rocky it's back and forth it's like falling over it's getting picked back up um so i mean I, I, that saying comes from i always tell myself like in my world financial advising it's 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 hard right i mean it's going to be hard but good things should be hard right and if you want to achieve big things you can expect it to be rocky um not not to pivot too hard but when say someone's listening because i'm trying to think like how we could provide most value in this episode someone's like leaving the uh military you're and i'm i'm all in on linkedin you you're all i follow you on linkedin a lot how important is that to have if you're trying to step into like the corporate world from the military to like maybe storytell and kind of position yourself amongst professional colleagues on linkedin and what are some like must do's or don't do's for military folks on LinkedIn? I think the most important thing is to understand who you are, what you're going to do. Um, because most people will think, oh, well, I'm going to transition. Let me go ahead and get a LinkedIn profile and a resume together. But it ends up being more like a fit rep or a, a performance summary of what you've done instead of an actual storytelling profile or resume. So understanding right. what you're going to do, right, um, is number one and what your identity is. Once you've, once you've figured that out, then you can start talking about it in a way that will allow you to network successfully with other people. Um, so 
the world's largest networking event in the is happening digitally on LinkedIn every day. So it's a matter of jumping in getting to know people, reaching out of your comfort zone to introduce yourself. I always encourage that veterans or service members reach out and say, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm a transitioning veteran, or I'm a service active duty service member, because honestly, that gives them some kind of social buy-in to anybody that they're reaching out to. In our opinion, if, if someone doesn't respond to you based on you introducing yourself that way, they are probably not really active on LinkedIn. Um, and if they ignore it and don't feel comfortable, you know, that's their decision. But I think that more people are likely to respond that way rather than just, I'm Joe from uh, West Virginia and I was just wanting to have a conversation. You know, having the confidence in who you're going to be next allows you to have the confidence to reach out to people to make connections. That's really what it's all about. Right. And you never know. I mean, they might be like, well, hey, you're, you were in the Navy. Like all my family are Navy people. Let's like, let's talk. Like that alone yeah. might build you some like instant kind of like, you know, rapport with that person. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when you first started uh, Military Talent Partners, you said it started in West Virginia. It's headquartered out of West Virginia. Is that who you targeted first? People that you knew in West Virginia? Or was this through your years of recruiting or, you know, how did this kind of launch off the ground? And do you remember your first couple of, of clients or people, you know, veterans that you helped and, you know, and, and walk us through how did it expand? How did it all of a sudden turn into hundreds, you know, of veterans? Yeah, it, it actually did not happen in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say I was going to kind of just slowly tiptoe into this business. Um, but you know, through LinkedIn, because I swear all things, at least in my life, start to happen <laughs> on LinkedIn. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I <laughs> Cooper, Cooper's in that same boat. I, I'm beginning to understand. It's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, I drink the LinkedIn Kool-Aid. For sure. So I, I was talking to Scott Davidson, um, and he invited me to this event in New York City to speak as a, as a CEO of Military Talent Partners. I swear, right after our conversation, I got off the phone, and he had a poster published. I didn't even have a professional photo at this point. It was like my face cropped out of a family Christmas picture. I am not joking. <laughs> and so it said Natalie Oliverio, CEO of Military Talent Partners with my cropped Christmas face photo <laughs> on this poster. And so I'm like, wow, everyone's going to know now. I guess I'm just going to have to take the leap. Like this is my thing. Well, one of the sponsors of the event had posted a job for a recruiter. And I thought, what if I could meet this person? And instead of them hiring a recruiter, they hire my company. And so off to my first pitch, I amazingly won their business. They cut me a check and gave me 10 jobs to fill. And wow. they're actually headquartered out of Northern wow. Virginia. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is real. Quit my day job, my salary day job with one client. And on June 30th, July 1st, full-time military talent partners. And within nine, 90 days, we had nine more clients. And wow. then I'm like, okay, this is too much for Natalie, one recruiter to do. Started hiring veterans and military spouses to work for me at MTP. And we just became a team and have kept growing ever since. Um, and it's just, it's been amazing. But I, 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 have sadly noticed that there are not a lot of veteran employment resources in West Virginia. And so we get West Virginia, West Virginia veterans all the time and mill spouses all the time that are looking for opportunity. So we are absolutely trying to spread the word here in West Virginia to get more employers here, 
want to hire local talent um, who are veterans or military spouses because that talent does exist here and so does the opportunity it's pairing them together that will make the difference wow that's i mean incredible yeah i mean that's that's powerful and in so how do you do that how do you spread the word is it social media or is it just continuing you you've seen your growth so far through three years you just continue to to build off that and in and hope that it works out in in places like west virginia yes absolutely it's it's definitely social but also relationships and spreading the word and you know people think veterans and security clearance and um fbi sieges or department of energy and there's a lot of other veterans that are outside of the government consulting space that want to be more in the private or commercial sector so it's having an open mind it's understanding that veterans all take all different shapes and sizes i'm a veteran um i'm a female you know i cannot tell you every time i go to the va hospital one of the older veterans will be like here with your husband and, right. uh, so it's an innocent ask but i mean it's it's a definitely a stereotype especially i feel like west virginia is sometimes behind the curve on uh thinking in a more diverse way um and military spouses are also men they're not just you know they're not standing at a stove all day just hoping to get picked up for a, some kind of side hustle job these military right. spouses are male they're female they've got degrees phds mbas highly capable highly talented and same for veterans they can do anything they're not just for security they're not just for you know an ops manager here and there they can do anything right i mean and i mean some of the skills i mean are 100 percent transferable over the corporate world like i mean teamwork de detail oriented exactly. like communications i mean like so many of the things really the essence of business leading what, and following knowing how to right. blend various you know attributes yeah, any organization would be lucky, in my opinion, to have veterans. We, fortunately, so my company, we've got hiring our heroes where we hire veterans. Um, pretty cool program I've been fortunate to participate in. And they make excellent advisors because they know how to listen. They're empathetic. They're hardworking. And, uh, you know, all of the things that really any good professional is. Um, what now folks, again, are listening and, you know, we'll put this across our channels. If your, your process, do they meet with you? Do they kind of do like a figure out, like get a sense of where they're at? Like, how do they go through your process? And then what is like, you said it's completely free to them. Now, of course you have clients on the employer side, but for them, they go your, through your process without having to pay for it. Absolutely, all of our services for veterans, military spouses, transitioning service members and gold star families are free. That includes free mentorship and coaching and also all of our seats to the online career transition cohort are through scholarship. We've been lucky enough to receive grant funding and corporate sponsors that pay for those seats so that anybody coming in unsure of what's next for them, they don't even know what they want to do, let alone how to talk about it or formulate a resume or go and interview about it. You know, it's, it's a building block and this program encompasses it all and it's absolutely free. Wow. That's, that's, that's simply amazing. Well, I mean, look, Natalie, you, you spent 45 minutes with us. We've conscious of your time and you're, you're seemingly busy and I would, I would hate to hold you up from uh, helping a veteran because I'm sure you have your hands full and, you know, with Veterans Day coming up, we, uh, we can't thank you enough for, for spending time with us. And we're, we're proud that someone like yourself is from Mountain State and doing this work. 
Um, so, so we really appreciate it. And you, uh, you represent the state well. You're illuminating a light on something that needs attention and you're doing very well at it. And that's my two cents on that too. So thanks. Thank you both so much for having me. I really appreciate it. For any veteran or military spouse that may be listening, feel free to reach out to us, militarytalentpartners.com. We're on all the social channels. You are not alone. There are countless resources available to you, free resources and genuine help. So don't be shy, reach out. If we can do anything to support you, we absolutely will. And if we're not the right people for you, we'll point you in the right direction. Absolutely. And I will co-sign that we'll, and we'll help, uh, we will help push that message out to our, our followers. Um, so th thank you, Natalie. Thank you again. Thank you both so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Natalie is a very, very special person, as you could see. And really, any veteran is a special person because without them, we would not have the freedoms and liberties that we do in America. So we thank you. Thank you to the veterans. If you see a vet, thank a vet. Hire a veteran, right? They shouldn't serve our country and come back and have challenges if they can't get a job. So we appreciated Natalie coming on. Stick with us. Of course, we got some more stuff coming. And with that, hopefully you guys enjoy the rest of your week.